Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Digital Rookie Podcast. For those who don't know me, my name is Patrick Quay and I'm the host of this pod. Today I'm talking to Jacob Arnott. Jacob is a good friend of mine from school and has always been involved in the sports business world even since we were together in year eight. He now heads We The People, a marketing agency he has developed after building his professional skills throughout the years. He has some great insight into using project-based learning to learn new things and differentiate himself in the sports business industry. I hope you enjoy the interview. Alrighty, Jacob Arnott, welcome to the Digital Rookie Podcast, the second episode. Thanks for having me, mate. Very much looking forward to, uh, to having a chat. Yeah, absolutely. No worries. Um, bit of a disclaimer to the listeners. Jacob is a friend of mine and uh, I probably will be referring to him as John throughout the uh, podcast. Just uh, so you know and don't get mixed up as to why I am mispronouncing his name. Um, so the first question, John, that I wanted to kind of start with and I um, want to structure this podcast by start, uh, talking about where you are now and then moving through how you got there. Um, so the first question is, yeah, can you tell us a bit, little bit about what you're doing at the moment and, um, you know, what your career is kind of looking like right now? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, at the moment, uh, I lead a social media marketing agency called we the people. Um, so we work with brands, uh, to help them become great storytellers. And it's definitely been a product out of, uh, all the other sports marketing, I guess, journalism sort of bits and pieces and projects that I've been working on previously um, that sort of formed and morphed into We The People. But uh, it was definitely, I guess, an agency that really came from a core content base where we, we really saw a quite a significant shift in about 2016 in how people were engaging with content. Uh, so I really saw that there was a need for, for brands to really engage a, a full service uh, communications partner in that social space uh, from both a brand work where we uh, can do lots of you know fun and cool stuff, but then also at a performance marketing and optimization level as well. So uh, I lead our team um, working with a bunch of different clients um, across Australia, uh, which is it's, it's an amazing challenge every day. We have uh, every day is a new day um, in the sense that uh, you know, the things I'm working on today will not be the things that I'm working on tomorrow just because it's so fast paced and moving, but, uh, a really, uh, a really cool, um, cool spot to be in at the moment. Yeah, that sounds great. I'll definitely get onto kind of those, those projects that have led into, uh, we, the people, uh, yeah. and so from my understanding, it started all off with the sporting journal back, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, can you explain, so tell us about how old you were and, the thinking that came behind starting the sporting journal and you know what it was. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the sporting journal, I don't think there was really much thinking about it. It really came, came about quite naturally, which is, uh, you know, when I look back on it, quite, quite fascinating. Um, I remember in year eight, uh, sitting in science class and one of my friends turned to me and she said that she'd had this Tumblr blog that had 200,000 followers on it, which I thought was, quite unbelievable and something inside me I was like oh, I reckon I can do better um, I reckon I could beat that so um, yeah sporting journal was just I guess a combination of it originally started as a tumble site like I love sports I'm a big Melbourne football club fan quite tragically and so basically it was it, it all kind of started from there where it um, it morphed and I just remember I, I just really enjoyed pouring into this blog um, both in the writing of the content but then also like the developing of the website and you know running a social platform social was really new at, you know it was kind of just starting that stage and it was it was crazy that you know you could you could write these articles that were getting heaps of views and engagements from people who I'd never ever heard of so 
app. It kind of originally started as just that dare from year eight science class that really morphed into um, it, you know, a, a sports kind of blog that was a little bit more established where we'd have, uh, I think we had up to like 20 different volunteer writers at one point um, and a bunch of other people who were like kind of pouring into it and owning it as like their own as well, which was really quite incredible for, you know, little little 14 year old me who's just <laughs> trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah. Um, but just a, yeah, it was kind of just a really kind of like pure um, jumping in head first. It was fun. So I rolled with it and saw what happened. And uh, yeah, it kind of, kind of took some interesting turns from there. Yeah, that's really cool. Because one of the things that I want to ask you about uh, more broadly is the whole idea that, you know, you learned so much from these projects like the Sporting Journal uh, and how that compared to the stuff that you were learning at school. I think it's it's different in the sense like I think we you know we're really lucky to go to a school that really encouraged you to to try a bunch of different stuff whether that was in like you know an academic sense or a sport sense or a um you know a community sense that yeah. you know we we were really encouraged to do that and so I think it was really just a I found a passion in something I thought was interesting and I kind of ran with it and lent into it um and I think that's a completely different way of of learning things, uh, just kind of like jumping in headfirst and having a crack and seeing how it goes. Um, but I think it's like an incredibly like rewarding way to learn and pick up new skills as well. Like uh, I, I think, you know, everything that I've kind of come to understand in that space and even, you know, the foundations of the sports and the marketing stuff that um, I've been super lucky to, to jump headfirst into has really been around just uh, at the core of it, just having a punt and having a go, mm. um, and, you know, and kind of believing that, you know, it doesn't have to be the best and, you know, you'll know me patting on a bit of a perfectionist sometimes. Um, but absolutely going that if you jump into something head first, you'll never know what will happen. And I guess there's really no downsides of that. So, you know, I think that's been really, really powerful for me and been really significant in, in you know, the way that I've kind of, learned and got to the spot where I am at the moment. Um, and, you know, obviously will kind of be the real guiding force between uh, where I head over the next, you know, however many years in, in my career. But it really has just been a, a jumping into things head first, giving them a go, seeing how it, seeing how it goes and just following that really natural curiosity um, head first. So, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been great. Yeah, that's some because that's something I've always really admired about you. But your willingness to just yeah jump headfirst into these professional projects that you've done. Did you have a lot of help, or what kind of resources did you use at this stage? Because obviously, you know, you were doing school, and and yeah. there was a lot of work I can imagine that was involved in. If there were twenty people involved in the sporting journal, managing that as a young person, how how did you go about that? Yeah, I don't think it was like it never really felt like a it it never really felt like a, a chore. Like it never felt like something that I had to manage. In fact, it was probably more like I was having fun managing all these older people to write these stories about, you know, the NRL or the World Cup or um and, and I think that was I really enjoyed that. I, I had a lot of fun doing that. Um I think it was um, it, it taught me a lot, you know, even things like going how to write a professional email to people, um, learn that quite quickly, um, you know, learning how to um, engage with people on the phone, you know, asking questions in interviews, um, you know, 
I remember one of the first things that with Sporting Journal, like we got to go to the, or I got to go to um, the the Cycling World Cup and got to interview um, a bunch of different uh, cyclists as part of that, which was, you know, crazy because you've got these professional journalists from The Age and, um, you know, the Sydney Morning Herald and the Herald Sun right alongside me and they got little old me who's just like 15 going, what the heck? am I doing here? Um, yeah. I've got to have a chat to these guys. So that was, that was wild. But, you know, I, I think kind of the, 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 the just being really willing and going, you know, being honest, going, Hey, I'm just giving this a go. If it works, it works. Um, leading into that passion. Um, because I think a lot of other people as well, it wasn't, it wasn't really managing people because I found a bunch of other people who were as equally as keen in sport. Um, you know, it was equally looking for an opportunity to uh, put some of their articles that they wanted to, um, you know, get published as they look to become journalists in their future career or sports marketers or podcasters or whatever. Um, and so it really became this place of this kind of like hub of, you know, love for sports and really collaboration. Passion collaboration, yeah. So it wasn't really like a, a workplace where it was, okay, how do I manage these people to get this stuff done? It kind of was just everyone was really excited and really passionate about um doing some doing some fun stuff and some great stuff and you know i think the fact that it was a you know a small online website that we really didn't take ourselves seriously too too much and so that was that was a really cool learning experience and opportunity as well yeah awesome so yeah because i want to i want to ask you about the transition then from you know finishing the sporting journal into the next project which was the turf yeah and how you went about because now you've had, you've got this new experience that you've, you know, you've just finished this professional project, um, yeah. you know, the process, but the process of concluding that and then, you know, refreshing and using those skills that you had previously uh, learnt to yeah. recreate a new project. Transitioning uh, into the turf was, uh, I'd say more refining of where things were at with Sporting Journal. I think, um, you know, I kind of had a really newfound passion for football or soccer, um, you know, following the 2010 World Cup. I remember just, you know, starting to figure out, you know, what is the A-League? Um, what is Melbourne Heart? And so I was, a, I was at the first Melbourne Heart game um, and that really kind of inspired, a, you know, a love for the football and watching Manchester United and getting up, you know, in the early morning to watch the Premier League as well, kind of, sparks a new you know passion inside of me more than I'd probably engage with other sports um which I think what you know most people who love the world game would probably say um, I'm sure you've got a story like that as well Patty um but you know it was kind of going what what do I want to do and refine and so with the turf it was really kind of focusing in a little bit more around culture um, and some longer form pieces um and really kind of becoming a, a, I guess, a trend-setting publication that really spoke about uh, the culture aspects of football in the world game as much as the stuff that was happening on the field. Um, I think I kind of really saw a really big significant niche um, and I guess an opportunity there um, in focusing on football. You know, it was at a stage where the A-League was really starting to grow. We had um, obviously Melbourne Heart coming, but then the Western Sydney Wanderers just launched in 2012, 2013 and really sparked a really crazy massive movement up there um, with the Red and Black Block up in Western Sydney. And so um, I was quite interested um, in all that stuff happening and sort of really felt like, wow, there's actually an opportunity for us to tell some 
really cool stories and really refine the project that was the Sporting Journal into focusing on a specific sport um, in that sense as well. And I think it was also, you know, really strongly contributed by some of the other people that we're working through um, Sporting Journal with. So um, meta photographer called Alexander Jason, who's uh, done some really phenomenal work um, for a bunch of different brands and Melbourne City's um, official photographer still to this day. Um, and we kind of both worked on that project and sort of uh, I'd do the writing and he'd do the, um, do the photos and kind of really, uh, if Sporting Journal was the initial kind of like um, version one of the, the sports kind of publication project, the turf was a V2, uh, a more refined kind of niche um, a project that spoke more into uh, the culture of football in the world game, um, not just the kind of match day report kind of style of stuff that we were doing uh, with the sporting journal. So that was that was a like a really really important twist, I guess. I think it was kind of looking and going. Well, we've got this, um, you know, and I guess the real key focus behind me the whole time was I always really wanted to make sure that what I was doing was competitive and it was doing well and it was winning and it was working. And I think we found with Sporting Journal that it really kind of um, whilst it was cool, whilst I learned heaps, whilst everyone that was working was having fun. Um, the the product, I guess, wasn't really there. And so we refined that and pivoted to the turf, which ultimately was um, really focusing purely on the on the on the world game. Um, and then, you know, that was when the sort of conversations around going, okay, how do we monetize this um, start to come in? Is this a, you know, is this a business opportunity here? Is it more than just a, um, a passion project? So I think that switch between Sporting Journal and the turf was, uh, really, um, a, a really, I guess, big pivot, um, and kind of like a, you know, from a startup perspective, going, okay, how do we, what are we doing well, what aren't we doing well, and how can we refine that product into something that people would engage with better? Um, and we did see that, like, you know, we had mass audience, like we had up to at one stage of the turf, like I think a hundred thousand monthly um, unique active users, which was nuts for us. Um, we were really pumped up about that. Um, so I think that kind of just really went to show around that kind of analytical approach going, okay, what's working, what's not, and let's refine that. Yeah. And at this stage, you're still, you're still at school during the turf as well, <laughs> uh, which is kind of, it was, it was really unbelievable just how much you've managed to learn from these projects and the experiences that you've gained that, you know, the rest of us, are, you know, we're still in maths class. Um, and you know, we're still just learning the well. basics. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're in math class as well, but you know, you'd also gained all these other skills that I've, yeah, I, that, that I really, I really find uh, quite interesting. So obviously you've had a very strong exposure to the professional landscape since you were young. How do you think you, that has benefited you as you've balanced your studies with practical project-based learning? So even through university, Seeing, mm. seeing the stuff that you've learnt from the turf and from the sporting journal, how has that benefited you even in your academic learning? Yeah, I think, I think it's interesting. Um, I think that I figured out within myself that whilst I can do the academic learning stuff and that's, you know, um, I feel like I'm okay at that and can, you know, watch lectures and pick up you know, ideas and concepts and would be able to um, do well on an exam or write an essay um, that I actually feel like the best kind of learning that I was doing was that 
passion-based project learning where it was, you know, what I learned was really driven out of a wanting to do better, wanting to grow bigger. And it was like, okay, we want to get this new part of the website built. Okay, it's now on me to watch YouTube videos or learn on the internet to try and figure out how to do that. Um, so it never kind of really felt like, a, oh, okay, this is a chore. I need to go sit down and do some some work to to learn and figure out how to do that. But it was a, oh, this is the next step for this growth and to get to, you know, ultimately um, getting more business on the site and, you know, maybe monetizing that. So that was, I think the big difference there is that that kind of passion driven focus um, on the learning front. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's not for everyone, you know, mm. like I've seen, you know, people will do, you know, incredible things if you've just done university and then looking for your first yeah. you know, job. There's no real secret method to it. Um, I think you just kind of got to find what works for you and, and run with that. And, you know, if it, if it works then go for it. Awesome. If it doesn't work, then who cares, you know, what's the, what's the downside. And I think that's the, the really big thing that I've picked up, you know, um, when, you know, moving through university as well, going, um, let's, you know, I really focus on going, I've got, you know, three, four free years here where um, I can focus on um, doing other projects um, like the turf and then leading into where the people um, I've got time to focus on do that whilst I'm also studying. And so it was kind of this time where I was like, well, look, if it goes bad, who cares? I've got some things on my resume now that I can take to an employer or go into a job interview. That would be really interesting to talk about. Um, versus, you know, oh, I'm only going to do this if this is going to be a great success because honestly, nobody ever knows that. I just don't think that that's a, that's a really positive way of looking at anything. But, you know, even if, you know, the turf was to, uh, or, you know, where the people was to, to, to go bust when I was in, in uni, come, kind of coming out the end of it, it's like, well, so what, you know, there's no, there's no real downside to that happening. I kind of had those four, three years to build that, get it good um, and then make uh, a decision off that. So I think, I think the one thing I'd just kind of like really, you know, the big learning I'd take is just going what in the time that, you know, you're at uni or you've got that free time where you're, you're supposed to be a full-time student is going, what are those passion projects or what are those things that you could just take a punt on? Like might not go anywhere, might be shocking. You might, you know, do it for three weeks and then go, this isn't for me. Or you might do it for three years and go, this isn't for me. Um, what are those kind of projects and things that you could just take a punt on and see what happens, I guess, because I think that's where so much learning, I know for me, that's where I've learned the most by just taking a punt on things and seeing what has happened versus, you know, having these really high expectations that this is going to work out this way or another way. Yeah, because one of the the reasons behind me creating the digital rookie is the the putting together a way that people can kind of see different strategies that other people are using to try and create careers in sports marketing or sports yeah. business. And obviously, you've taken a, a very project driven dip. Like this is how I'm going to differentiate myself by creating all of these different projects and I'm going to learn skills and you know, it's, you, you can now go as a, as like, you know, trying to get a job and be like, well, this is how I 
learned these skills. This is how I met these people. This is how I, how I learned them. And mm. would you say, but, but obviously you've also done a university degree. So mm. I guess you've kind of found that balance. Have you worked with people who have gone either way? Like, did you even ever consider not doing university and putting a hundred percent into uh, one, one of these professional projects? Yeah. Um, I think for a little bit, I thought about it, but I was really strongly encouraged by one of my mentors to say, no, just stick it out, get your university degree. Um, I think that there's a lot of value and wisdom in that, um, in sticking out and still doing a university career, um, or not career, um, getting a university degree to help your, um, career, because I still think there's a lot of value and I kind of viewed your uni degree as a parachute where, you know, you can, you can have these pre years to go do these crazy, insane projects. And, you know, even through, you know, our twenties as well, I still think there's so much room to go and be doing really crazy, outrageous stuff, like taking the most risks, you know, spend your time doing a startup or something that, you know, you really absolutely love doing. Um, but having that university degree there kind of was like the parachute. So if the plane goes down, you can jump out and at the end of the day, probably go find a job and slot in at um, a big firm or go into a consultancy. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of value in, um, in, in still doing a university degree as well. And I, I mean, I really enjoyed the, um, the, the social and community aspect of it as well. I think university is great because ultimately it's the, the cohort that you're going to be working with in that industry as well. So, um, you know, networking is such a significant part about um, business full stop. So, you know, even the even the friends that you're going and having a couple of beers with um, after a shoot or a class on a Friday, um, those, you know, whilst you're probably mucking around and not even thinking about um, anything to do with your career, it's like those people are going to be the ones that um, are going to be the leaders of industry, um, you know, in 20, 30 years' time. And, um, yeah, the, 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 the biggest thing that I've learned as well is just going what who you meet now and who you add value to from a networking perspective. Um, is so so incredibly valuable so um building those relationships is super super important as well yeah i mean you just answered my next question about about networking have you did you find that you got some great networks from even from all the way back in year eight and have you used those networks and the connections that you built then even in we the people now yeah i think the the network the networks that i've built you know, through all those other projects really significantly show their, um, you know, you can see their roots through the work that um, some of the clients we work with that we're the people now. And, you know, absolutely, I go, if I wasn't doing the turf in the way that we, we did the turf or the sporting journal, then some of the clients that um, we get to work with on a daily basis now, we, we really wouldn't be working with. Um, and even on the back of that, it's been uh, all the clients and pretty much all the clients we work with at We The People have come through referral, which is a huge boost of confidence um, for what we do. And again, all comes down to building that network. Um, and so I think it's been, it's been a, it's been a, it takes time to really build a network. And I think a lot of the time that I see you know, people talk about networking, especially your internet, you know, hustle bros and, um, you know, your hustle hype kind of thing just really misses the whole point of, of the value of networking. Um, and I don't necessarily think it's something that you 
literally, you know, you can quite intentionally go and network with people at networking events, but it's also, um, you know, just building really strong relationships with broader people um, in the world around you because it's quite significantly, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, a friend who's introduced um, or mentioned to their other friend who works at um, so-and-so has, you know, come to us and said, oh, I heard you guys do this. This is really interesting. I'd love to hear more about it. And then we go and um, go and work with them. So uh, it's, it's, it's really just coming down to, um, you know, the kind of impression that you want to leave on everybody um, around you and always going, okay, how can I um, both add value in a professional sense um, and how can I really value and nurture the relationships um, around me in both a professional context um, but then also a personal one as well. I think a lot of people forget that the CEOs and the CMOs and the, um, the senior managers at, at all these you know, companies that you might be trying to get a job at or you might be trying to recruit as a client, at the end of the day, they are, uh, they're people as well. They're people that like to watch Married at First Sight or go to the movies or hang out with the kids or play, you know, Cotton PlayStation. Um, so I think, I think just remembering that at the end of the day, people are people um, and you know despite how much hustle uh, culture you might read on the internet that really really just focusing on going how can I build really strong um, positive um, value-based engaging relationships um, is you know that those are the kind of relationships that last the longest and um, will be the most valuable to you in the long run yeah yeah great yeah I definitely think because one of my main focuses lately in the last year or so has been you know, trying to build that network and it's something that can differentiate you employment wise or, you know, a, just an asset that you can bring to the table in a job. Uh, it, mm. it can really, it can really help. And obviously you've been able to build that over a, a really long period of time for our age. Um, yeah. One thing is, well, I want to ask you the, and it's something that I, it, that the idea of it challenges me a bit and I'm sure a lot of other people that our age is going from being a, uh, someone who's learning and developing their own skills to then be willing and having the confidence to, you know, sell your opinion and quantify your opinion and, and what you think and your skills monetarily. Yeah, I think it, I think it came down to the experience that ultimately behind we the people you know and the services that we 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 offer our clients primarily in the social and content space is that for me there's been five or six years of doing that from a publishing side behind you know experience behind me now offering that service to a client to be paid for um so there is uh, you know, there is the work that was put in beforehand, even before the conversation came to going, how can I charge a client for my expertise? Um, and, you know, we were in a really lucky time where social media was just coming up. So we really learned super quickly what worked and what didn't work. And so taking those learnings on have quite significantly shaped the way that um, our people view um the social and the content space and that view really, you know, ultimately impacts the work we produce for clients and the outcomes that we help them achieve. Um, but I think, I think, you know, for a younger person trying to, you know, just start in whatever, you know, industry or space that they're in, it can be really challenging and intimidating um, being the youngest person in the room to share, you know, your voice and your thoughts. Um, and I get that firsthand because I was, you know, like I was 14 trying to run a sports site 
Um, you know, and then even the turf, it was like I was 15 trying to run a, a soccer site um, in a, you know, lying up against um, these riders who were professional career professionals um, and they were pundits on Fox Sports and whatnot. So I think the thing that I learned really, really quickly was to kind of just back yourself and it's hard and it's not just to back yourself by going, okay, I'm going to put myself out there, but actually truly backing yourself and rocking up day after day to continue to keep pushing your thought. Because I think the thing that I've learned really, really quickly is that um, often it's the the quietest voice in the room or the most unexpected voice in the room who comes up with the best idea. Um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be the, the best final creative idea, but it could also be the, the idea that sparks a whole new level of thought um, within, a, within an organisation. I mean, even some of the campaign work that we do for our clients and our ideation sessions, it's some of the craziest, stupidest or baddest ideas um, even from some of the interns that we have, um, that absolutely reshape our entire thinking in creating an, an amazing, um, successful and impactful campaign. So um, I'd really encourage everybody to kind of back themselves. Um, but don't just back yourself once, continue to do that and put yourselves in situations that uh, are deliberately uncomfortable and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable because I really think it is in that um, that space between, uh, you know, kind of feeling really uncomfortable and being out of your depth is where you learn the most. Um, and that, you know, you'll start to get comfortable when you're challenged by uh, a senior person um, in that meeting to actually flesh out your idea a little bit more and don't just, because you're the youngest in the room, kind of take the hit, but actually go, actually, no, I think my, my opinion is quite valuable. And I think, you know, a lot of workplaces are, uh, really struggle because they don't necessarily value the opinion of the the juniors. So I absolutely think it's just going, learning how to back yourself in whatever way that works for you, whether that's putting yourself in that uncomfortable position, whether that's trying something brand new, or it's jumping off into the deep end, whether it's making your you know passion project come true, whatever that is, um, it, it, it's so incredibly important that um, you have the opportunity um, and kind of build up that confidence um, with being uncomfortable and just giving things a punt. Um, ultimately, there is no downside because we have, you know, age and time on our hands. Yeah. Like, something yeah. that doesn't work out have to be forever. Yeah. And so did you, when you were really young, did you ever find that your relationship with these older people, you know, how, how did they act around you? Was it almost threatening to them perhaps that, you know, this little kid is running around doing the same thing that they were? Yeah, uh, it was a really mixed response. Like some people were really positive and encouraging about it. Um, often they were like, oh, okay, that, that's cool, whatever. That makes no sense, but whatever, <laughs> we're cool with it. Um, but then other people, I think it was um, some people were maybe really challenged by it because there were some really, you know, uh, a couple of situations where I look back and just going, that was, that was really uncomfortable and it, it really did have an impact on me um, feeling quite uncomfortable in certain situations um, from, you know, certain people in certain organisations who weren't happy with, um, you know, me doing what I was doing, which, to be honest, probably makes complete perfect sense. Um, they're trying to run a professional operation and then I'm trying to interview this, um, the captain of, you know, the Wallabies or um, trying to get access to this, um, this athlete, which absolutely makes sense. And, you know, there were no's in that. And I think 
as much as it was you learn with the, the yeses, you also learn with the noes and get um, and roll with that. And, you know, the thing that I kind of always tried to do is going, okay, well, that happened and let's roll with that. Um, what can I what can I take and learn off the back of that? Um, which at the time, let me tell you, did not feel like a good thing to do. Uh, it felt pretty shitty, um, especially when, you know, I'm 14 and super passionate about uh, the thing that I'm doing and thinking that it's great and then having somebody tell you, no, it's not great, you actually are wrong. Um, can be quite confronting and definitely was quite confronting, but I definitely look back at it now and go, wow, I learned heaps because of that. Um, in you know, being in that uncomfortable situation, which I felt pretty not great about, um, had a really significant impact in kind of the person and the way that I'd deal and negotiate with things now. So um, I think as much as you do have um, with any new thing, people are uncomfortable with that they're, they're, they're scared of change um, and people don't like change. So um, not that I was the change as such, um, but I definitely think that um, there's there's lessons to be learned and I definitely took some massive lessons from how those interactions um, happened and, you know, taking them in your stride as well, like taking the hits and keep going because if you take yeah. the hit and fall then you get back up, awesome. You know, it sounds like, uh, you've, you know, everything you've spoken about today, the putting yourself in those uncomfortable positions and, you know, backing yourself and it, th- these experiences are really like almost encapsulate, you know, those those lessons and how you learnt them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. John, I want to ask you the final question is your top three tips from to become a professional from being a rookie and that, you know, they can be, they can be stuff that we've talked about today. Um, but yeah, your, your three top tips. The, the three things that I think are really you know, significant is the first one, just being trying new things, looking for what's new. And I think young people do this incredibly well in spotting, um, I guess, especially in a social and a marketing sense, can spot trends before um, older, more experienced marketers and agencies and organisations um, can. So getting really good at new things, jumping in head first, um, and trying bunches of new things, even if it is against the conventional wisdom, um, absolutely adds a mass amount of value to um, to your resume and your skill set. And so I think part of that is really significant in standing out um, on the resume stack or um, offering a service that's really unique. So trying new stuff and always trying new stuff and being really comfortable with trying new stuff. The second one is, Uh, putting yourself out there. So put yourself in front of people that make you feel uncomfortable. Um, Go and try and have coffee with the CEO of Westpac. Go and ask um, somebody at an agency if they can tell you about um, uh, how to build a media plan. Um, Do things that put you um, in an uncomfortable situation professionally, um, but put yourself in those situations with the intention of looking to grow because, you know, after you've emailed that CEO or chatted to that media buyer, you're going to get so much more comfortable with talking with other professionals within industry. Um, and, you know, that's, it's really taking up and building up those steps and those conversational skills where that fear and that anxiety around going, I can't, you know, I'd never be able to chat to the CEO or ask them about this can start to, um, become less and less scary and you become more and more confident in that. And that's a massive asset um, in having that confidence. Um, and the third and final tip I think is um, being willing to fail. And I think it's something that 
we as a culture really struggle with because it's like, I only want to do it if it's, if I'm going to be the best at it. I only want to do it if I'm going to look the best at it or I'm going to be able to get the greatest success about it. But I actually think when you fail and when you stuff up is where you learn the most. People who, um, you know, anyone who's remotely successful has a million, you know, stuff ups and screw ups and fails and losses along the way that built into that, that big success, that big win. So being really willing to fail and heading into things, you know, going, you know, this is, this is a learning opportunity, even if I don't think it is right now, um, can be incredibly, incredibly valuable. So, um, yeah, I, I really think it is those, those three key things um, to focus on can have a really significant um, impact and not becoming a rookie and starting to become a pro, which I'm sure you're very not far away from becoming, Patty. Oh, you know, I'm just trying to bridge that gap, John. That's, <laughs> a, that's what it's all about. Um, John, thanks so much for your advice and, uh, you know, thanks, talking about all your experience. I really Love appreciate it. it. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much. Good. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Jacob Arnott. Be sure to check out his profile on LinkedIn if you want to get in touch with him. And if you want to learn more about the Digital Rookie platform, head to our socials at Digital Rookie Hub on Instagram and The Digital Rookie on Facebook. You can also head to my website, digitalrookiehub.com for blogs and other information. Thanks so much for listening. My plan going forward is to have about a podcast released every two weeks or so. So stay tuned and see you then.